Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast, where we chat everything and anything to do with the world of music, and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Kibbe, I'm a drummer, turned comedy singer-songwriter, and now apparently a podcaster. You're going to hear me chat to many people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within arguably the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free, that's right, for free at scottcowie.com. Guest this week on the podcast, we've got Sandy Tom, our first Scottish guest. I don't know why that's happened, but it's happened. I've got Ron North in the studio, Ron's producing it. Say hello, Ron. Hello, Ron. I knew he was going to do that. I know it's not funny. You know it's not funny, but I apologise for that. Matthew McConnell's with us too. Matthew's going to give us a song in a little bit. Sandy Tom. When everybody thinks of the name Sandy Tom, they automatically, I think, refer back to their great success on Sony, such as Punk Rocker, such as What If I'm Right, such as The Devil's Beat. The list goes on. But... Sandy Tom, I think, great blues singer, great classical piano player, brilliant harmonica player. Now you're probably thinking that can't be the same person because you don't know about all those things, but that's why I want to get her on the podcast to talk about her love for the blues, to talk about her independent record label. Isn't that a dream, to have your own label, to be living in Los Angeles, to be touring the world? All sorts of stuff's been written about Sandy. Amazing success in Sony, but she wasn't happy. There was stuff that, you know, they've since parted ways. A whole host of things went on. We want to talk to her about that. We want to talk to her about the world tour that's coming up. It's going to be a good one. Just before we get to an interview with Sandy, we've got a special guest who's found his way into the studio. We've got Matthew McConnell, who's another graduate from the award-winning New College Lanarkshire Music Course, which you can now apply for online if you're a young, aspiring musician. How are you today, Matthew? I'm very good, thanks, Scott. How are you? I'm all right, yeah. Are we looking forward to listening to what Sandy Tom has to say about music? I really am, yeah. We have, we've been doing a research, which means when you're researching for a podcast, you spend about two hours just sitting about, chatting about music while watching the guest on YouTube. And we've been doing exactly that with Sandy Tom. Matthew, how good is Sandy singing? Seriously. Absolutely brilliant. I love the, the full Scottish vibe, the same as us, and it's just, it's just amazing. Really love it. Great. Great blues singer, and Matthew's not too bad a singer himself, to say the least. Matthew's in a band called Static Rock at the moment, so you can check them out on Twitter and Facebook, and he's going to play a song live for the podcast right now. Matthew, what have you got for us? Uh, This one's called Once More. Right, let's check it out. A lifetime of hell, is that what you really want? Yeah, once more you get to what you really want No more to get into Once more and it falls from above Getting nigh is that who you really are 
Back on the podcast with Sandy Tom. How are you, Sandy? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Scott? I'm all right, yeah. What's the weather like in Los Angeles? Uh, it must be better than here. Um, well, the last few days it's been extremely hot, but that's also because there's been a lot of fires here. Um, and then I guess today it's it's a lot cooler. So it, it's uh, the weather is not making, doesn't know how to make up its mind here just now. It's, it's very, uh, one minute it's hot, one minute it's cold, so... You never know what you're going to be dressing for in the morning. But generally, you know, 75 and sunny is, is always how it normally is. So, Well, at least yeah. we're decisive in Scotland. It's just constantly cold and raining. So that's one well, thing that we've got over. That's why I always tell people, you know, I always say I like the weather in Scotland because it knows what it wants, you know? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Right, so how's the new piano then? The new piano is great. Um, it's a... Uh, I've, I've, I've pulled out of somebody's garage um, and it's 110 years old and I think she looks pretty good for 110 to be honest. It's a Baldwin, an old Baldwin and it's really cool. It's got like all these ornate um, uh, little kind of like the, like the brass letters inside, you know, and it's one of those really, because it's so old, it's one of those really, really tall uprights. So it's a little, it's a little different. I mean, when I got it, it was pretty dirty and, you know, and everything else, but it plays great, you know. I mean, it's it's because it's very old. It's one of those pianos that still has real ivory keys, which obviously is illegal now. So, um, you know, it, it's it's definitely a piece of history. So, it's going to help me write my next record. So, I was just going to say that. So, what do you do? You do a bit of both. Then you write on guitar, write on piano. What did you start playing first? I started playing piano first, and um, in all honesty, I I'm a much better piano player than I am a guitar player. But, you know, when you're out and you're on the road and everything, it just it just doesn't make practical sense. You know, even if you're playing on a keyboard, it's still, when you're one, like, little Scotswoman, you know, the, the last thing you want to do is lug around a keyboard by yourself. So, I just, you know, I took up the guitar when I was 17. And um, that was kind of, you know, that was where it started. But now I, I don't really play anything other than 12 strings. 
And um, I think that has a lot to do with my dad because he played 12 strings when I was little. Um, so he's kind of rubbed off on me in that. And yeah, I, I feel like I can do more with it. And plus, if I break a string, there's 11 others to, you know, pick it up the slack. <laughs> so it's, it's good. It's trustworthy. Right, so this podcast is Saturday the 25th. Tell us a bit about that. We can go to sandytom.com and sign up for it, right? Well, it's something that I decided to do once a month this year. I mean, I was the, the poster child initially for the, you know, the, the digital revolution in that I was one of, I think I probably was one of the first or was the first as well as the same time as sort of Arctic Monkeys came out and they had a, a, you know, a huge part in that. And I was the poster child for, you know, webcasting to the world from, you know, your living room type thing. So, you know, I figured that it was time that I kind of paid homage to that fact. And so this year we're going to do one every month, but it's going to allow me to kind of share exclusive, um, you know, content with the fans. So with the run up to this release, this, this next record, I will share something new with them, like a new song. And it'll be, you know, like literally fresh off the grill, you know, from moments ago having just finished writing it it won't be like i'm going to play you my demo you know it's going to be like here it is folks how do you like it so it's just really a cool way to you know create a lot of interaction um it's actually through a th- it's through something called concert window but uh yeah you can probably go you can go to the website and there'll be a link there for it that's really cool and is that a similar concept obviously you mentioned you've done a lot of this back in the day but what was it back then was it a similar thing was it one song was it a whole set what was going on no, I mean, back then it was like, you know, I was no, I was very unknown. Nobody knew who I was except for maybe five, six hundred people on a mailing list that I'd built up just do, you know, organically playing shows. And I'd, I had this record. I'd made a, you know, I made my video for the first single. Everything was done. I'd done the artwork for the album, you know, and all that stuff. You know, me sitting there with a mirror and Pippi Longstockings. I mean, that was like me and my weird imagination, you know. So all that stuff was was already in the can. You know, we had this great album, this great product. And, you know, we went to, we went to shop it to major labels, as you do. That's always what you do. Or you, it's what you did, anyway. And, you know, nobody, nobody would take it. Nobody cared. Nobody wanted anything to do with it. So we were left with kind of, like we have to find a different way, you know, but we don't have all the money in the world. So it was on the cusp of this moment that was about to happen where everything would suddenly change within the music industry. And I actually went to play a gig in Edinburgh in Scotland. And the my friend was promoting the show and the whole show was webcasted and it was at a venue called The Left Bank. It's this tiny little place. And they put it out, it was, the website was called leftbanklive.com. And I said to my mum, who couldn't make the gig, mum, it's okay, you can still watch me because you can just tune in here and you'll see the gig. So this to me was like ingenious, you know? And I thought to myself, why can't we do this? I mean, you know, I, I mean, you know, basically they, they planted the seed with that gig I then took that idea and then just multiplied it. So, you know, we called it 21 Nights from Tooting, as in 21 Nights from in Toledo, right? And Tooting was where I lived in South London. I had this shitty basement that 
actually at the time was great because my then landlord was a musician who used to record bands down there. So he had like, you know, he had patch bay cables running through there and he'd, he'd kit the whole place out. So I'm like, this is perfect. We can rehearse, we can write, record, and we can also webcast. So he set the whole thing up downstairs. I got a couple of, you know, things of white paint, painted the joint, made it look slightly nice, put some, you know, optic lights here and there. And uh, we got in touch with a, a company that would support the broadband, you know, for it to actually do such a thing. There's that technical element. And then we had a guy who, from the company who we then ended up coming to know as Dangerous George. Because every time he came down to, to record, he was in a fight the night before, and he had a black eye. So he sat in the corner of the room, literally with the with the webcam, and just you know made sure the levels were okay. Because there was three of us, and one was playing cajon, so we didn't want things to peak and whatever. And that was it. We just we sat there for for 21 nights straight. It was hilarious. We had people going out and getting us dinner. And we're like, we're hungry, but you can't go anywhere. You're alive in five minutes, you know. And it was so cool. It was the funniest thing ever that nobody ever expected to be so incredibly popular. And then uh, one of the newspapers in Britain picked up on it and they they printed an article. And then literally, you know, a day later, <clears throat> we had like GMTV call us. They want to do a live feed. And then everybody else gone the bandwagon. And it just it just went, you know, it just went off the chart. So... It was it was hilarious, honestly. Because I'm interested to to know you're you're talking about things going off the chart. <laughs> At what point in time? So that when does the record deal come in? Is this shortly after that? Is it a long period of time yeah. with Sony? So shortly after, I mean, we you know we were in our element because you know we had been shit on by the music industry with people so not interested in this album, not interested in the single. Nobody would play it because it was weird, you know. And then all of a sudden, everybody clamors around because it's like it's like the playground thing, you know. There's one somebody and some there's a little group gathers and everybody wants to know about it. So you know, we were just we were just milking this thing to the bitter end. We had like seats in the hall, and we'd line these re- these record executives up and waiting to come down to then watch the gig to then discuss the deal. Everybody wanted a piece of the pie. Everybody wanted to sign me. It was brilliant. My manager was in his absolute element. And then in the end, believe it or not, I signed to Sony because the guy who signed me uh, is Scottish. Um, and his name's Craig Logan. And of all the people that I met from you know the, the labels, I just liked him. He was a cool guy. He was a Scot. And I was like, I didn't know any better. I was in my early 20s. So I signed to RCA on Sony, and and actually, I was the first and probably I don't even think only artist to sign a record deal live, online webcast of the world. Yo, did you sign online? I didn't know that. She actually signed it live yeah. in the night. He came down in my basement, um, Craig Logan and I, and he. I think we had to like put the ironing board on some a couple of chair backs or something. It was really terrible. And, you know, we just put the thing down and we signed it and, you know, Bob was your uncle. So, yeah, I mean, you probably find screenshots. It, it was like a very old version of my website when, that it was that it went out on. So, yeah, it was that was cool. We're chatting to Sandy Tom on the Talk Music podcast with myself, Scott Cowie. A double header of music for you now, Elvira Stutt's Smile. She recorded it live last night when we were in the studio. And then we're going on to... 
One of the most famous buskers in Sucky Hall Street in Glasgow, in Scotland, 16-year-old Murdo Mitchell with his track. So check out Elvira Stitt and then Murdo Mitchell.
one has it all, but I ain't got enough. People pursue life, but I think times are tough. Don't know what to say if this is said it all. Know that I love you, but can you please just call? Can't think of verses for my song. We're apart for good because it was all wrong. No broken heart can reshape itself. You've left me now. I hope all is well. Forget about us, about lying. You only live once, but think twice. 'Cause we can't keep going on like this. I remember our first kiss. Grab me one last kiss. I guess it's time to move on. Instead, I will write you a love song. Of course, I want you to be with me. I'm still figuring out why we can't be. There is another guy in this love triangular business. If I could stop him some way, I'd hurt you for myself one day. Get about us, about lying. Mitchell there. Prior to that, we had Elvira Stitt. Every single song that you're hearing on this podcast is students from New College Lanarkshire Music Course. Current students, some graduates, and I'm talking about the award-winning music course. If you're a young aspiring musician, if you want to sign up for a music course, be sure to log on to the New College Lanarkshire website and get all the details how you can be a part of an award-winning course. Now I was talking about this, I'm... I'm Dying to know this, all right? I've been wanting to ask you this for a while. See if I released a song and it was my debut single and it went to number one. I, I, I think I would struggle to kind of comprehend that. I don't know if I'd be able to deal with that. Yeah. But it goes to number one in, in seven different countries. Is this mm-hmm. a bit scary? Are you taking us all on your strides? Talk us through that. I mean, I I still don't get it. When I If I watch myself back on, on stage and somebody films my gig and... Or I listen to my records, you know, and I, I just, I, I'm totally, I have a total disconnect, like, with that's me. Because really who I am, like, here just now talking to you, it's just like this, like, this little shy kid, you know, and it didn't make friends very well and was kind of like a bit of a loner and a tomboy and everything else. And to, like, comprehend that I could achieve something like that. I, yeah, it was a real struggle because, you know, I didn't have all that much confidence. So to, to see all these t- people, like, clamber around me and, and all this success was, like, 
it was really it was really difficult to understand, but obviously at the same time, it was like a dream. You know, you just couldn't believe that it was happening. And you know, I was always the underdog. I was never the one that that that, that was you know that was put on the pedestal. I was never the one everybody all. I was never the popular kid in school. You know, I was always some of the popular kid's best friend that did everything for the popular kid. You know, so I think when I finally had that kind of success it was like yeah, it was, it was totally insane and I, the one i think the, the my my like uh you know road to this damascus moment was um was in new york and i saw myself in times square and they were because of the, the the record stores there and they were advertising all the, the releases and i saw my album cover and like just flipped out you know and uh yeah it was I felt like I was. I felt like I was supposed to be so much more flamboyant and so much more like a star than I really. You know, I felt like I had to live up to this this reputation of you're you're number one selling artist now. You know, and I had to go out there and blah, blah, blah. And I think because I was so young and, and and you know just not confident enough yet. I really kind of you know I was quite sheepish about the whole thing. Um, but you know, honestly, when when you look at how difficult it is now to achieve something like that, or you know, to have a number one album that sells over a million copies, or you know, to do these things is so difficult. So it was the perfect storm. It was me. It was the great manager. It was the the real great thinking, the creative thinking, and and it was this the music, you know, the songs, and people connected with it, and that was ultimately what was you know driving it. Um, but in hindsight, you know, looking back, I know so much more now than I did then. So, you know, had I really, had I been a bit more wise and um, savvy, you know, I'd probably, you know, when I did my, my 20, 30 interviews a day or whatever, you know, that started from six and ended at midnight, I probably, knowing what I know now, I would have smiled all the way through it, you know. Because I think some when you when you're given that kind of fame and success, you know, you very quickly get into a habit of taking it for granted. So and you see that, you know, with the young, very popular artists, you see how they kind of spiral into that way of thinking. So um yeah, it was it was a real it was an incredible time though, you know. I went everywhere in the world went to every corner of the earth, every, you know, these things are people, people can only dream of these things. So I was extremely fortunate and uh, it really built the foundation for what I would then go on to do, you know. Right. So it's it's really interesting because talking to you, I mean, back then I would imagine, like, I, I, I see, watch a lot of interviews and the reason why I wanted to talk to you is that you, you can afford to be really honest now. By following you on Twitter and seeing what you're posting up on Facebook, you're your own boss, you run your own label. When I see some interviews, I see people giving kind of stock PR answers, you know? But with you, it's very kind of like... But is, is an interview now very different to back then, the 20, 30 interviews a day when you had to kind of promote stuff? Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I actually... I sometimes... Well, I, I tend to not watch the interviews that I ever did when I was younger because I, I want to hit myself, you know, because I'm like, Sandy... What's with the trout face? You know, like, lighten up. But, you know, I just, I had that, you still had that young, delinquent, slightly grumpy thing going on. So 
And I was like, I didn't mean to appear that way because I wasn't thinking that at all. I just had this like real, very laid back demeanor, which I still do have. But I'm a little more animated now than I was before. You know, I was still, um, I still had that kind of like depressive teen thing going on in my like when I was there in my early twenties. So. I think if I could speak to my younger self, I would tell her to like wise up, you know, and I would tell her, you know, you have like the most incredible opportunity. And I did. And, and you know, I was never, I'm never ungrateful for it. And I was very humbled by it. But I think it all came down to a lack of confidence, you know, and that it it's it's all about that, you know, and, and even though people praised me for the songs and the voice and the whatever you know I still had that real struggle internally with my own confidence and you know my own belief in myself so I think um now when I do interviews yeah I mean be honest you know because even in this environment even living in LA or I mean I live in Malibu you know so like I've always just said like the, the, you know, I'm just going to go out there. I'm not, people sometimes don't know how to take me. I'm Scottish, you know, I have a different kind of humor and, uh, you know, maybe I say things that they don't understand, you know, and I'm not going to try and be someone that I'm not. And, you know, I, I, if you want to be my friend, great. And if you don't, then don't. So I kind of have the same attitude with, with, uh, with, you know, interviews or anything now in, in business, you know, I mean, I go in to see my my distributors now who are in LA. You know, when I when I when I would go into the the, the record label, it was like, okay, you know, Ian, my manager was like, right, make sure you look really good and everything else and blah blah blah. But now I go in and I'm like, oh, you know, I just came from the gym or whatever, you know, and I go in and I'm like, okay, fellas, let's you know, let's get to work. And I sit around boardroom. Well, nobody sit around sits around boardroom tables now. They sit in halls and um, and look at everything on their 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 iPhones, <laughs> but it's the same kind of, you know, the same thing. And, and everybody's just real, but people are so, I think, I, I think people give me a chance, even though I don't have it, like, as an independent label, I haven't sold a gazillion records or anything, but I think they just see the fact that I just work my arse off, you know? And I come in and I'm like, look, yesterday I spent all day being my own publicist, and but... I got this TV show and I got this session on this radio station and I did, you know, I just cold call people all the time, you know, and they're like, how did you manage to do that? And I just phoned them, spoke to them, you know, there's such value in the art of conversation and just to speak to someone, just be real, you know, and, and people appreciate that. So Great stuff. So, so let's go back. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know likes of the devil's beat. I watched that video the other day, and I think it was in, in, in Facebook or on YouTube or something like that. There's, there's somebody going like that. Oh, the, the song's a wee bit short, and it's yourself or, or somebody from Team Tom giving it the. Yeah, well, you know that was back in the day when I was with Sony, but the song's a lot longer now, and I just think that's that's great that because you're 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 very very interactive. But going back to that time, what what's that like? I mean, is are you talking to somebody from the record company once a month? Is it every day? Are they are they doing your head in? At what point did you think this isn't going to work? I mean, I wanted it to work, you know, I was really rooting for it because, like I said, it's a great opportunity and it's, you know, you get everything, or at least I was still part of that gaggle of artists that had tour support, that had money thrown at them, that had people, gazillions of people 
nail technicians, makeup artists, hairstylists. You know, I was still part of that 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 sort of breed of, of you know that that format of the, of the record label um, vision. But um, I think you know I basically would go in every every so often, and you know we would have this kind of chit chat thing and. But I, I think with with me and with my my manager, then we were much more hands on. You know, if somebody got me airplay on a station, you know, he'd be like, you know, he's like, send them a card. You know, do something nice. You know, that it was always like, show everybody your appreciation because that's invaluable. So I think maybe I was a little bit more in their faces as some as you know maybe the other people were, and not so much. So in that sense I really developed great relationships that I still have with people today you know even though they're somewhere else probably in the industry working on some other label I still have great friendships but um, I think at the time that I realized that it wouldn't work um, I just wasn't happy you know I made the second album and <clears throat> I, I had all these songs put together and, and written and in a, in a certain way and then my E&R guy and the producer and everything else, you know, they all came together. And I think we were doing like so many versions of the same song. It's like, you know, it's like you're going through this recording like time and time again. It's like you want to capture that moment, that great moment where you record something. And it's like the great vocal performance. And, you know, it, it happened now and you see it when... Adele does that thing with Rick Rubin and it goes out and it's slightly peaky in places, but who cares? It's an amazing performance, right? right. That's it connects with people. People believe it. But then, you know, it was like, do the song again, do it like this, change the tempo, change the rhythm, change these lyrics because they're too risky. You can't say that. You don't do this. No, I don't like that instrument there. And by the end, you're just exhausted by it. You're like, you're the whole, the whole like soul of that piece of music is just completely blown to pieces you know and by the time you get to the final version because you have 20 people's uh, you know you have 20 people to please in the process it's like you, you just it's just deflated you know so I think that was a real thing with, the, with that second record was that when I play the songs on my own sitting in the room with a guitar I love them they're, they're cool, they're good, they're funky, rhythmic, bluesy, soulful. When you go through the recording process and you do 20 versions of the same freaking song, you know, I think by then you're like, ugh, this <laughs> I can't do anymore, you know? And then finally someone goes, yeah, it's wonderful, let's press it. You're like, I hate it. You know, <laughs> it's like that was the sort of thing. So. I think that it was just like, I don't know if I can do this, really, because I think some people are great at, at you know, they're maybe, I don't know, they, they're just happy to be successful and be driven and, and have that level of fame or whatever, and just do whatever, just, just write me a song and I'll sing it, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, if that's what makes you happy, and it happens all the time, but... I was too much of a control freak, too picky, too like, no, that's not what I had intended for that piece of music. So, you know, I think then I realized that I wouldn't be able to be at the mercy of so many people. Tell us about the Saturday Night video. I watched this the other day. 
You know what I'm talking about, right? Well, this is a very interesting story, and I think actually you might be the first person ever to hear this story. Because when I originally wrote that song, right, the lyrics went like this. There's a man outside and he's knocking on my door. I gotta tell him what he used to rent money for. Three tequilas and a bottle of wine. Went 20 rounds before closing time And we hit the dance floor with a certain style There was a fever in my feet, the cold after a while Got in a taxi, decorated the seat That's one memory that I don't want to keep And then it goes, there's only one, right? So it was about basically going out and getting messed up There's only one Saturday night in every week, right? Monday's for recovering, yes Sorry, Sunday's for recovering, you know so when I originally wrote that song, it, it was kind of like a Mavericks thing. It had all this brass in it, and it was real like, you know, the, 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 it was really fun. I mean, it was yeah. meant to be like that. And it was kooky, and it kind of followed on from punk rocker and that kind of, you know, just an insight into that social, you know, that kind of middle class, just how you live. And people love that kind of stuff, you know, how you just take their lives and put it into a song, and they relate to it. But then, you know, I, I had referenced drugs, drink, getting messed up, puking in taxis. I even said, like, you know, go for a ruby, like a, like a, a ruby Murray, a curry. I was using Cockney rhyming slang and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And the label was like, we don't like the lyrics. We need to change all of the lyrics. <laughs> and I'm like, well, they're like, we love the song. We love the chorus, but we don't like any other lyrics. So... You have to change them all. And, then I, and I was like, I don't even know what I thought at the time, you know? So, of course, I changed them all, you know? And I rewrote them all, and, and they all got damped down, and, you know, they all became kind of muddy and little bits, you know, it was like the, it was like the, the PG version of what I had originally written, you know? So, of course, I had a gob on about it when I recorded it. I would kind of sang it, and I was like... I, you know, I'm pissed off because somebody made me change my lyrics. And then when it came to do a video, they didn't want it, they wouldn't make a video. So that thing that I did in my kitchen was, I mean, it's classic me kind of stuff. It's like, tell me I can't do something and I'm going to go and do it and shove it in your face. That's pretty much, <laughs> you know, that's what I do, right? So they were like, we won't do it. We're not giving you the money. We're not going to do it. So I'm like, okay, fine. Well, bear in mind, I'm still signed to Sony at this point. So everything I do is representative of them, right? So I make the most ridiculous video with, like, you know, wigs and, and sunglasses and, like, you know, I, I it was like a, it was like a, you know, five-year-old, like, workshop with, arts and crafts workshop, you know, with the worst kind of things ever that I've made, like throwing babies out of the, this, you know, toy babies out of the scene and everything. And, um, you know, my my flatmates were both in the video. One was legitimately making dinner in the background. And he was like looking over and he didn't think anything of it because he knew me and he knew this was totally typical of me. He didn't even flat an island. And then my other flatmate walked into the, the kitchen, had a conversation with the other one, turned, and he, he no, absolutely did not even 
register that I was standing there in the middle of the kitchen making a complete arse of myself in front of the camera. They didn't even they didn't they didn't even question it because that was just the kind of thing I was known to do. So I put it up and obviously I was like, here guys, here's my official video. Yeah. And uh, you know, they weren't they weren't too pleased. But there was nothing really that they could do about it. And now it's really popular. It's like it's got a good hundred thousand views of I read on so yeah. Oh, it's great. I mean, it's, it's. I hope you take this the right way. It's both awful and amazing at the same time. You know, but I think I, I think that was the intent, right? Totally, yeah. It was great. I had so much. I mean, I look back and I just think, I was just a really stupid, cookie-looking girl in that video. But, yeah, I mean, have some fun, you know? Who cares? That's the, that's the deal. Right, we've already managed to get you to sing somehow. Do you have a harmonica handy? I do. I have several harmonicas. How many, have you, how many have you got? I mean, obviously, you've got one. How many have you got in total? Well, honestly, you need every. You need like the, the, the fundamentals are. You need A, G, and C, E. Uh, well, you get B flat and that kind of B flat first, B flat second F. So it's like the relative key, you know. So if you have a one in A, then it'll be like you can also play an E. If you have one in B flat, you can also play an F. So. Um, you need like I don't know. Well, you need at least eight of them to kind of cover the basics, and then you get all the chromatic ones. But I don't do the Stevie Wonder thing. I'm not there yet. That's a whole other world of torture that I need to, you know, get myself into. But um, I listen to a lot of Charlie Musselwhite just now. He's really cool, um, you know, and uh, you know that. And obviously on my fourth record we do a Sonny Boy Williamson song and I play the harp on that so um, yeah it's just something that I've just I picked it up in my early 20s and I'm sort of okay <laughs> well this is the thing I mean I, you know when when your name gets mentioned people think of the obviously the, the great chart success that you had and those songs but I, I think a lot of people generally don't know that you play harmonica so do us a favour give us a bit of blues just now and a harmonica do you mind oh <laughs> That was really, really cool. I think we'll be taking that and splicing it up and using it in between a bit of verbiage and all our different podcasts from now on in. So we've just we've just hired you in as a, a wee session player there. If that's okay, we'll be. That's Excellent. Right. Okay. I tell you what. I think we should play a game, right? If you don't mind, a, a, a couple of people that we've we've had on play this, right? Now that's just where I name a song and you make an attempt to play that song. Does that sound alright? Right. Okay. Right, okay. We're putting Sandy on the spot here, but I hope she's okay with it. Right. So to clarify, the game is I name a song and then you play it. And a game that we're calling I'll name a song and then you play it. I'll name a song and then you play it. I'll name a song and then you play it. I know that song you just played. Cause ten seconds ago, I just said it. <laughs> Let's start Perfect. off. Uh, give us "Love Me Do" by the Beatles. Okay. Um, 
Well, I actually used to live in Liverpool. So, the, uh, and I went to Paul McCartney's school of music, the performing arts school in Liverpool. So actually, this I, this is very familiar to me. Um, That's good for off the cuff, not bad at all. Oh wait, I've got a better version. Yay, not bad at all. Right, second one. I think this should be an easy one. What if I'm right by Sandy Tom? <laughs> yeah, I can do that. It's not as it's not as interesting in love love on me too though. I you know. I mean that's pretty much it. That's yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that sounded about right to me. But that was cool. Right, our last one. Smoke on the water, but deep purple. Ah, okay. Um. I actually did this with um, with uh, Brian May, Alice Cooper, Bruce Dickinson, John Paul Jones. Um, it was a it was amazing. Uh, we were all doing a gig at the Royal Albert Hall for the, it was the Sunflower Jam, and it's a charity concert that they do every year. And um, it's uh, Jackie Pace and Ian Pace. Do it. Uh, Ian Pace is from Deep Purple, and his wife do this uh, this charity event, and they invited me, and it was awesome. We did this. I sang like you know one of the verses or whatever with Bruce Dickinson. It was like holy shit, this is amazing, you know. Um, well, let me get it. Yes, yeah. that was rocking. Pretty easy playing a harmonica, actually. I never thought it would be that. But no, it's a great way. Well, listen, I think that should be on your, on the 25th of this month. I think that should be your opening track in the podcast. And it's on the webcast, excuse me. What do you think? I think you're, I think you've got a spot on right there. That is, I'm going to open the show with that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think you've ever done a harmonica version of Smoke in the Water, so... I think it needs to be done harmonically as well, layering them up. I think we could really do some. Actually, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> now, now that I've come to think of it, why not? You heard it here first, everybody. That may or may not be on Sandy's webcast. Of course, that's on the 25th of January. And you can log on, log on to sandytom.com, sign up for that. I haven't done it yet, but I'll do it and I'll watch it. But anyway, I think I'm right in saying that that was three out of three for Sandy on the game we're calling... I'll name a song and then you play it. I'll name a song and then you play it. I'll name a song and then you play it. I know that song you just played. Cause ten seconds ago, I just said it. What else is going to be in the set then on Friday? Is it some new songs from the sixth album? Am I right in saying that? Are we likely to... 
one song, um, basically that's that's the coup. That's that's the cool part is that it's one song from the next record. So you'll hear it first live from me, broadcast from you know my music room in the house, and so that's pretty cool, you know. Uh, yeah, so I'm not sure which song I'm going to play yet, but uh, at least it gives you a little bit of a sneaky peek as to what's to come for the, for the sixth album. And actually, I'm also doing a DVD in April, and I have two very uh, legendary Scottish artists as guests with me, which I cannot say who yet until March 15th, that's when the, uh, the embargo gets lifted, but... Uh, they're they're extreme extremely legendary, so I'm absolutely thrilled for that, and uh, that'll that'll come out in the in the autumn this year. Excellent. We've had Sandy Tom on the podcast today. I'm of course going to try and find out who these two people are, and Sandy's going to hang up on me in <laughs> Skype, no doubt. Oh, Hold on, I've got we've got. You want to ask Sandy a question? Is that okay? Go for it. We've got Matthew in the studio here. Matthew's a fellow musician. He's helping us kind of produce because I don't know what I'm doing with Pro Tools. What do you um, want to ask? How you doing, Sandy? <laughs> um, I was just just wondering about um, like your confidence. Like you were saying that your confidence wasn't that great. I was. I'm. I'm the same. I really don't have any good confidence. I built. Tried to build it up. Um, yeah. How how did you do it? How did you like like sort of promise yourself that you could do it? I think that um, two things really. I I stopped playing with a band um, at the beginning, at the end of 2012. You know, actually, when I saw no, I stopped playing with a band at the end of 2012, and I decided that the best thing I could do for myself was to go out on my own, which I did all last year, and I'm going to do again all this year, and. It was it was a struggle at first because it was like all eyes on you, but I think I hid behind my band too much, you know, and that was like a it was my that was my like my, my uh, crutch, and with the with the confidence, I think you know apart from just growing up and getting better what I do, I think also I, I never go out and without like completely knowing exactly what I'm gonna do down every single thing that I say in between song it's the exact same thing every night it's like you know it's a performance at the end of the day and I think once you get that into your head that when you go out there you're not really yourself anymore you're performing you're you're an act you know that's what you do that's your job and when you start to kind of look at it in that practical sense as opposed to in an emotional way where you let your emotions sort of drive you know what you're doing I mean sure you get lost in the moment and you sing you know and you have these great moments but I think if you you know I go I sit down and when I do this this show this year I will sit down and map out every single second of music every single moment from the, the, the downbeat of the first song to what I say to how I start it's like the whole thing is a, is like a is a giant you know animation it's a whole it's orchestrate this enormous thing and do exactly the same thing every single night. And then, you know, you don't go to bed worrying about it the next year because you know you're going to get up, you know you're going to go on stage, you know this is what I'm going to do, I know exactly what I have to do. And just go out there and say to yourself, the only thing I have to do is deliver this performance to the best of my ability, to the, you know, to the, the most, put on the most quality performance I ever can, 
and that's that's me doing my job for these people who have paid to come and see me and that's really how I how I think of it now you know um, and it's not to like dumb down the the art or anything but I think that there's nothing wrong with consistency you know you go out you wear the same thing you do the same thing you say the same thing I mean yeah it gets monotonous but you know you're going to be consistent you know you're going to keep that level of quality and that's how I that's how I reapproached it you know I think when I was scared and I, and I didn't have confidence it was because I was scared you know I didn't have any I wasn't grounded I was scared and I didn't know what I was doing you know and that that's what builds the nerves so you have to just take all that away and just say you know you've got to just practice that whole thing like no man's you know business and make sure every night you go out and do exactly the same thing so by the end of the tour or whatever you don't need a set list, you don't need anything, you can do it with your eyes closed, you know, it's like same thing every night, boom, boom, boom. And 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 then by the time you're, you know, you come to the end, you're like, shit, now I'm getting really good at this, you know? So that that's kind of, that's that's kind of my method, if you like, and, and then go out there, you, you know, I'm not like, I, I'm shy and, and I, you know, I'm not very good and like goes, I'm not great in social occasions meeting new people, you know, we're musicians, we're genetically predisposed to be kind of like hermit, you know, and a little, we kind of keep with our own kind, you know, but, um, but on stage it's like, boom, you just go, that's it, switch off who you were, become, you know, you have an alter ego, you sit, you, you stand up there, you sit down, whatever, you know, and you go, right, here it goes, I'm going to deliver the exact same thing I did last night to the exact same level of quality, and you walk out and you said I did my job, you know? So that, that's really how I, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Oh, listen, it makes a lot of sense, but listen, we know you've got a busy day of interviews ahead of you, so we'll let you get away, and thanks very much for taking the time out, taking quite a lot of time, because we've got had Sandy singing, Ron, we've had her playing harmonica, we've had her doing all sorts, so we really appreciate it, thanks again, okay? No, thank you very much, it's been good fun, good fun. A great conversation with Sandy Tom. SandyTom.com. It's easy to remember. Go on, sign up for this webcast that she's got going on this coming Saturday, 25th of January. I've been Scott Cowie. I'll, I'll give a cheap plug for my stuff now. ScottCowie.com is my website, okay? Log on to that. I've got a gig coming up the 20th of January. I do comedy songs. You can come and watch my stuff happening in Universal Bar, 20th of March. Uh, more information is ScottCowie.com. Now, Ron North, the guy that's producing this show, is currently in the booth. He's about to play as a song, as one of his very own songs from his band Cheating Teachers. You can check them out online. Ron is currently holding three fingers up in the air because he's got that little faith in me that I won't remember how to press three and record them. I can do just about that or I'll give it a go. Ron North, then we have All She Knows. I was supposed to play their single last week. I'll be honest with you, I played the wrong song. I played a song from about a year ago. I'm an idiot, but I'm going to make it up for them right now, guys. I'm sorry. Check out the market machine that is All She Knows while we're at it. Ron North, then All She Knows new single. See you next time.
Guys, but you always come back 